have a plane or a pilot's license. He was a truck driver. So Larry Walters and his girlfriend Carol bought 45 eight-foot weather balloons and filled them with helium. On July 2nd, 1982, Walters attached the balloons to his lawn chair, <laughs> put on a parachute, strapped himself into the chair in the backyard of his home in San Pedro, California. He took a pellet gun so he could shoot the balloons when he wanted to land. He took a CB radio, a camera, sandwiches, and some beer. No surprise there. <laughs> when his friends cut the cord that tied, him, tied the lawn chair to his Jeep, uh, Walter's lawn chair rose to about 16,000 feet and drifted over airspace at Long Beach International Airport, <laughs> which of course is a federal crime. He shot several of the balloons, but then he accidentally dropped his pellet gun overboard. <laughs> and so as he neared the ground, the dangling cables of the deflated balloons got caught in a power line, which caused a 20-minute blackout in Long Beach. As Larry climbed to the ground, he was immediately arrested by the Long Beach Police Department. Uh, after, years later, after his legal problems were somewhat over, uh, Lawn Chair Larry, as he became known, his next venture was as a motivational speaker. His theme was, a man just can't sit around. Now, you may think that right now you're just sitting around. You may think that you are sitting still. Is that true? No, you're sitting on a planet that is rotating on its axis at 1,000 miles per hour. And that's why some of you were so dizzy. You are on a planet that is revolving around the sun at 67,000 miles per hour. So you are not sitting still. Not physically. Nor are you sitting still spiritually. Hebrews 9.27 reminds us of something very, very important that we are so prone to forget. God says this, that all of us are destined to die, and after that to face judgment. Now, if you have realized, admitted, confessed, acknowledged that you're a sinner who needs a Savior and accepted Christ as your Savior, you are not going to face judgment for your sins. Jesus took that judgment on himself on the cross. But we are going to face a judgment an accounting, an audit, not of our sins, but of our service, of our service to God. And this morning, when you woke up, you, were, you moved one day closer to, being, to standing before God. Friend, we are not sitting still. We are all on a journey a spiritual journey, an eternal journey. Several months ago, your elders and government board voted unanimously to, for 
all of us at Alliance to go on our all journey. And we believe with all our heart that God is going to do some amazing, awesome things in the next five weeks and in the next five years and things that matter for eternity. Why would we believe that? Can we manufacture that? No. We believe it because we're asking God to do that. We're asking God to grow us as a church. We're asking God to use us in our community. You saw the needs portrayed there on the screen of the needs all around us. We're asking God to do God things. Not just the things we can do in our strength, to do God things. And when God does God things, that's exciting. When we experience those, when we ask God to do those, when we're all in and expecting and believing and participating, God does it. And we're calling it our all journey for many reasons. One, it's all about God. Because we, we obviously tend to make life all about us because we're, everything is from our frame of reference. No, we want this to be all about God and not all about us. We want it to be all about what matters and not the things that we are tempted every day to get consumed with that don't matter much today and won't matter anything forever and ever. We're calling it all because our goal, our goal is 100% of us participating in this. All of us, you, me, everyone. Why? Because we have a mission, and some of us can't fully carry it out. We have a mission, and we have an amazing God that wants to do those things. And God will be limited if we don't all get involved and give all of ourselves to him. That's God's plan. You see, that's God's plan for all of his children. So if you're a child of God, let's go. Let's go on the journey. Now, would you just help me out right now? Who do you think, who do you consider some of the most important people who ever lived? They, they impacted the world. They, they, they changed the world. Who are some of those people that impacted the world like that? Pardon? Martin Luther, absolutely, yes. Who else? Abraham Lincoln. Mother Teresa, yes. Who else? Bill Gates. Eli Musk, all right. Change this week, Thomas Edison. Adam and Eve, well, yeah, they changed the world, all right, for sure. Nobody said Abraham. Abraham is the father of three world religions. And friend, when you look at the impact of his life and the, those three world religions and the followers in them, the countries, you cannot overemphasize his impact on history, on culture, on civilization. Three world religions claim as a, him as their father. Judaism, Islam, and Christianity. Now, uh, Jesus, excuse me, Abraham is the common thread <laughs> in those three religions. The difference is Jesus. You see, Islam says that Jesus didn't actually die on the cross. And he certainly didn't rise from the dead. Judaism says that Jesus is not the Son of God, that he is not the Messiah. 
Christianity teaches from God's word that Jesus rose, that he's the son of God, that he's the savior, that he's the coming king. And so in our journey, in our spiritual journey, in our all journey, uh, we're going to look at the life of Abraham. And friend, you're going to be astounded at what God promised Abraham or Abram as he was first called. That was his birth name, okay? Abraham, God promised Abram that he was going to have billions of descendants. That was an astounding promise in light of the fact that Abraham was 75 years old and didn't have any children. And then God did something even more outlandish than that. God changed his name from Abram, which means father, which he wasn't, to Abraham, which means father of many. Can you believe that? I, I bet Abraham was a little embarrassed saying his new name. But he dared to trust God. And friend, as we think about what we're going to think about today, we're going to think about trust. And God says this, without faith, is it impossible to please me? If you don't have faith, you can't please God. If you don't trust him with your life, you will not experience what God has for you. And in our all journey here, we're going to see how God helped Abraham <laughs> and how he will help us on our, our all journey to trust God. Genesis chapter 12, verse 1. We pick up with Abraham's story. The Lord had said to Abram, Go from your country, your people, and your father's household and go to the land that I'm going to show you. Now we know uh, from other verses that Abram lived in Ur, U-R. Ur was a key city in the ancient Sumerian civilization. You studied that in ancient history. I'm sure you remember that. Ur, that city, was where the Tigris River and the Euphrates River, rivers so important for ancient civilizations, it's where those two mighty rivers converged close to the Persian Gulf, another key place. So you see... Ur was an uh, amazingly fantastic city. And the ruins of Ur that had been unearthed confirmed that it was a fabulous center of transportation, of commerce, of wealth. It, it was kind of like the New York City of Sumerian civilization. And so God comes to Abram one day and he says, go, I want you to get out. Literally, that's what the word go means. It means get out. It means leave. You know, that would be like God coming to you. If you lived in New York City, if you lived in the center of commerce and transportation and, and wealth in, in the United States and New York City, that would be like God saying, I want you to leave New York City and go to Arcadia, Florida. Okay? One day God, taught, God told Abram to do that. Go to an unknown place for an unknown future. Now that's scary, isn't it? We don't like the unknown. I don't. That's scary. Who wants to go into the unknown? But friend, have you ever realized that that's exactly where you're going? You think you know what's going to happen tomorrow? Is it going to? 
You don't know for sure. You don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. You don't know what's going to happen the rest of your life. God does. That's why you should trust him. And God says, trust me. God says, trust me with all of you. Trust me and follow me. Because God wants to take you to a better place. That's what he was saying to Abram. And that's what he's saying to you. I want to take you to a better place. a more Not necessarily an easier place. A better place. A place of significance and value and meaning. And God knows the terrible consequences you'll suffer not walking with him forward. And God asked Abram, what God asked Abram to do is exactly what Jesus asked his followers to do and what he asked you and me to do. Follow me. Follow me. And what did he ask his disciples to leave? Leave it all. Come with your all in all areas of your life, physically, spiritually, emotionally, relationally, occupationally, financially. The call to us as followers of Jesus Christ is not for part of our life. It's all of our life. And God called Abram to grow, to change, to take the next steps as he revealed them to, you, to him. And what did God promise if Abraham would do that, would, trust, would leave, would trust him, would go where he, he, he uh, asked him to go? Verse 2, Abram, if you trust me, if you trust me enough to follow me into the unknown, I will make you into a great nation. Pretty astounding promise since he didn't have any children. I'm going to make you into a great nation. I'm going to bless you. I'm going to make your name great. Is Abraham's name great? The whole world knows it. You're going to be a blessing. You're not just going to be blessed. I'm going to bless you to be a blessing. I'll bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you, I will curse, and all peoples on earth will be blessed through you, Abram. God wanted to bless Abram with many descendants to bless the world, to change the world. And who were his descendants? Moses, Joshua, King David, the greatest of all, Jesus Christ, of the line of Abraham, a descendant. And God promised all this to Abram. But in order for Abram to receive all those blessings, Abram had to give his all to God. Abram was given an all or nothing choice. And friend, so are we. Trust and obey or not. God gives all of us the same choice. Follow Jesus in every area of our life or miss out on all the blessings that God has for you. God demands all. Why? That's the only way he can bless all your life. He can't bless all your life if you only give him part of your life. So Abram receives the challenge that all of us do. And so what happened? Did, did Abraham uh, trust and obey God? Yes, uh, sort of. Verse 31 in chapter 11. We didn't read that. But going back there, this is what we read. Terah took his son Abram. Terah was Abram's father. Terah took his grandson Lot, son of Aaron, 
and his daughter-in-law Sarah, the wife of son Abram, and together, okay, when God called Abram, his father went along with him, and together they what? They set out from Ur. Hey, he, Abram is doing exactly what God asked him to do. They set out from Ur of the Chaldeans to go to Canaan. But when they came to Haran, they did what? They settled there. They stopped. They got stuck. Abram didn't go all the way to Canaan, which is the promised land. He settled in Haran, which is about halfway to Canaan. Well, why, why did Abraham stop? Well, because Haran was a really nice city. It was wealthy. It was comfortable. It was easy. And you know what? There in Haran, Abram got wealthy. In, in Haran, Abram got, Abram, excuse me, got minor blessings. He got wealth. He got comfort. But he didn't get the blessing that really mattered a family to carry out God's plan and change the eternal destiny of billions of people. Abram's descendants blessed and changed the world. And friend, you are Abram's descendants. Your God-given mission is to bless others. But you see, the problem that we all have as humans, we like the earthly blessings. <laughs> I like comfort. I like it when it's easy. I like prosperity. I like things. I like all the tangible earthly blessings. And friend, we should praise God. We should thank God for those temporal blessings. But never trade them for eternal ones. And Heron is a symbol. Heron's a symbol where many of us as Christians settle down and get stuck. Being saved by God, but not serving God. Being blessed by God, but not being a blessing to others, as God has commanded us. Receiving from a generous God but not giving generously back to God. And friend, Satan wants us to be like Abram in Haran. Just, just, just give a part of yourself to God. Not your all. Finally, after many years of not fully obeying God, not fully trusting God, not fully faithfully serving God, not, not faithfully giving his all to God, Abram woke up. He knew he needed to start totally trusting God and stop withholding God. And Abram gave his all to God. He took the next step, verse 4. So, so now <laughs> Abram went, as the Lord had told him. And Lot went with him. Abram was 75 years old when he set out from Haran. Two things about that. We don't know how long Abram got stuck in Haran, but it was many years. 
But the second thing we see, it's never too late. And today's the day when we take those steps. He took his wife, Sarah. He took his nephew, Lot. He took what? All that God had given him. All that they had accumulated and the people that he had acquired. And they set out for the land of Canaan. And they arrived there. Abram stopped withholding and gave all to God. Verse 6, Abram traveled through the land as far as the site of the great tree of Morah at Shechem. And at that time, the Canaanites were living in the land. And the Lord appeared to Abram again. And so, he and said to him, to your offspring, I'm going to give this land. The Canaanites are living here now. But this is the land for my people. And I'm going to give it to you and your descendants and those who follow me. So what did Abram do? He built an altar there to the Lord who had appeared to him. And from there he went on toward the hills east of Bethel. And he pitched his tent there with Bethel on the west and Ai on the east. And there he what? He built another altar to the Lord and called on the name of the Lord. As you read the, the story of Abram, he built many altars. Whenever God told him to take that next step, he would move and he would build an altar. Why? See, altars are two things. One, they're places of worship. They're places of putting God first above everything else. And that's what he was doing. That's what he wanted to do. That's what he was doing, putting God first. And they're places of sacrifice. He was giving back to God. He was saying, God, you gave me all this. And I want to give back to you. As I read the story of Abram, you know, God started asking me some questions about me and my life. And I think it's kind of like a spiritual checkup. And I invite you to consider some of these questions today. Four of them. Number one, I am blessed. But am I a blessing? You see, it's not God's plan that we just come and sit in church. Does that impact our world? Does that change our world? Is that serving God? Christians are people who are following Jesus Christ. And Jesus Christ is always on the move, and he's always bringing growth, and he's always meeting new needs and reaching new people, bringing new people into the kingdom. And if we're following Jesus... We're going to be going to the next place, taking the next steps that he's telling us to take today. God blesses us who will be a blessing, serving God. And so, friend, God has far more for you than sitting comfortably in church. He's calling all, all of us, out of our comfort zone. Hey, we like our comfort zone. You don't grow in comfort zones. We don't grow without taking steps. One of our core values here is changes, change equals growth. There's no growth without a change, a next step. I'm blessed. But am I a blessing? Number two, do I trust God with my all or just part? You may have seen the bumper sticker. I haven't seen one for several years now, and I'm so thankful. 
but it said, God is my co-pilot. You know, I think that's the most ridiculous thing I've ever heard. That is kind of like me entering the Daytona 500 and asking Richard Petty to come sit in the passenger seat while I drive. Number one, I am not going to win. Number two, I'm going to get killed. And friend, God is not the co-pilot. He's not second in command. Our lives are not going to be the best when we're in control, but God is it there in the passenger seat or in the back seat or in the uh, sidecar. Uh, God, now be there in case I need you. God is God. And God is God in our life when we trust him with all our life and not a part of it. Jesus gave his all for you and for me. And how can we think that he doesn't want us to give our all back to him in every way? And, and as Christians, <clears throat> we, we know and we do. We trust God for our salvation. Most of you could quote Ephesians 2. It's by grace that you're saved. It's not by any works that we could do. We are trusting God and God alone. We trust him for our salvation, without a doubt. But there are some things in our life we're afraid to trust him with. And I think the number one thing for most Christians is our finances. I think that's true of me. I think it's true of most Christians. And church, <clears throat> I'm going to be direct <laughs> about what God says about giving. And you've seen abuses. I can't stand to watch uh, some of the uh, uh, TV uh, preachers, okay? I uh, can't stand uh, certain things because I just think it's so far from what God has for us. You've seen those abuses. Some of you have been burned by a church where they pressured you to give. And the only thing that happened because you gave was that the leaders got rich. There are many people who think that churches should not talk about money. But Jesus did. And as your pastor, and I've, I've been here a long time and I've preached many, many sermons, but I just feel like I have to ask your forgiveness for not talking about money more often. You see, I, as I look back, most of my sermons are on faith and forgiveness and prayer and serving and all that, and very few of them are on money. <clears throat> but friend, next to salvation and faith, what was the number one topic that Jesus talked about? Money. 16 of the 38 parables he taught were about how to handle money. One out of 10 verses in the Gospels deal with money. The, the, the Gospel has about, or excuse me, the Bible has about 500 verses on prayer and faith, more than 2,000 on money and possessions. Why? <laughs> Why did Jesus talk about it so much? Why, did the, why does the Bible talk about it? Because as I said just a minute ago, 
Money is probably the number one thing that most of us as humans are afraid to trust God with. So, I'm going to be straight <laughs> from God's word. And again, um, I apologize for not doing it more because it's so key and so vital to our Christian life. Now, is it the most important thing about our Christian life? Absolutely not. Is it, it Should a church be about begging and pressuring people to give? Absolutely not. But what does the Bible say about giving? Romans 8.29 says that God's number one goal for you and for me is that we be conformed to the image of a son, that we become like Jesus. Now, okay, if we're going to become like Jesus, uh, what was he like, all right? And this is what he said. So one day he was talking about why he came to earth, and he said this. He came, said, I came to do two things. I came to serve, and I came to, I came to give my life as a ransom for you, as a payment for your sins, okay? Two things. That's why I came. That's why I left heaven. Came to serve, came to give. We can't become like Jesus if we don't serve. We can't become like Jesus if, if we don't give. So question number three, here's this checkup thing. Do I give back to God to bring others into his kingdom? You see, that was Jesus' last command, to bring others to follow Jesus Christ as king. Don't, don't just follow him yourself. Bring others to know Jesus and friend, that's why we meet here uh, in this building, you know, on Sunday mornings. We, work, we, we meet here to worship. Then we, go, then we want to go out and win others to the Lord. And friend, we have this building to worship. We have this building to hear God's word because of many Christians who have given faithfully and sacrificially. And I just want to ask... Do you rely on others to keep the doors open? Do you rely on others to fund the ministries that we have, the ministries that you enjoy, profit from? Now, is this the goal of our all journey? No, it's not the primary goal. Our primary goal is this. 100% participation. That all of us would say, yes, I am a follower of Christ, and therefore I will follow him with my life, with all of my life. And you see, friend, that's our mission, to follow him and then to go and make disciples of others, bring others into the kingdom of God. And friend, our mission is too big, it is too important for some of us to do it. All of us need to do it. Question number four. Do I really trust God? Or do I just say I do? Do I, do I trust God with every part of my life? You see, because if, if there's a part of my life that I'm not going to obey God in, then I'm not, I'm not really trusting him. I, I can't trust him in that area. If I can't trust him in that area, then I'm not trusting him. If we trust God for our salvation, then we need to trust him to enable us to serve. Most people, a lot of Christians say, oh, I can't, I can't serve. I can't, you know, 
help anybody else come to the Lord. I can't be in the nursery. I can't, I can't. Friend, if we really are following Christ, we'll want to serve and he'll give us the enabling to do it. If we trust God for our salvation, then we need to trust him with our finances too. And, and God says these outlandish things like, give me your tithes and offerings. And you know what, what a tithe literally means? It means 10%. God wants us to give 10% of our money to him? I can't afford to do that. But that's what he said. And friend, is it scary to do that? Absolutely. It sure was for me. I had no problems when I was a kid and I got a 50 cents allowance. There was no problem to put a nickel in the offering plate, as my parents taught me. But I just want to tell you something. Do you know the more money you get, the harder it is probably to give? It really is. And it was really hard for me at seminary. I told the Lord, Lord, I don't need to give uh, offerings to you because I'm paying my seminary bill. You know, that's a Christian organization, right? <laughs> and God says, yeah, it's a Christian organization, but you're not giving me anything. And when God says tithe, he says very, something very interesting. He says, test me. That's the only time God said test me. In fact, most of the time he says, don't you test me. But he said, test me. You do it. You try, you take that step, and you what? You see if I won't bless you. So, friend, this is what I'm saying. Test God. And I don't know what you're giving. I don't look at the numbers in uh, that, so believe me. But I'm, I'm urging you, test God. Test him. Take the next step. Whatever you're giving now, take the next step. Take the next step and see if God doesn't keep his promise. And see, that's the only way we grow in trust. When we're willing to take the steps that are hard. You can't grow in trusting God if you don't take the next steps in your Christian life. We'll just stay where we are. And we don't want to stay where we are. We don't want to stay where we are as a church. We want to see more people come to Christ. We want to impact our community. We want to be faithfully serving Jesus because we believe he's coming back again. And our time is limited to bring others to know him. That's what we want. And so that's why. That's why your elders and governing board and pastors decided we're going to have this all journey. We're beginning our all journey. Why? Because that's what Christ followers do. <laughs> that's what disciples do. Disciples give their all to their master. That's what Jesus' first 12 disciples did. That's what we should be doing. Give our all to him. He's not going to take it all. You know, the amazing thing is, God lets you keep so much of the money he gives you to meet your need. God, God's a generous God. God's not want to make you poor and unhappy. He wants to bless you. He wants to work in your life as you trust him, as you give your all to him. Disciples bring others to Jesus. We're accountable for the people who live around us, the people we work with, the people on our street. We're accountable. We may be the only witness they'll ever run into, ever know. Disciples bring others to Jesus. Disciples carry out the mission. We've got a mission. Go and make disciples, to go to the ends of the earth. And friend, 
let's be real, that requires funding. That requires giving by God's people. And some people, you know, have asked me to say, well, am I going to hell if I don't give? No. But others might. Others might. You see, being a church, there's a lot at stake. It's not just something for our comfort, something we enjoy, you know, it's really nice. No. Eternity's in the balance, people's lives. So, friend, we're on a journey. And our all journey is not primarily about money. It is about our mission. Is it about, is it about us obeying God in all areas of our life? It's about us growing in our trust and dependence and commitment to God, giving him control of all of us, our time, our, our treasure, our talents to serve. And our goal is 100% of us. And friend, Kristen, that's why we're inviting you. We need you. We want you to come along with us in this journey. Because our journey, our mission is so big. It's so important. It's the only thing that matters for all of eternity. Everybody, everybody here at Alliance taking those next steps. Everybody trusting God. Everybody following Jesus in every area of his life. Jesus gave his all for us. So that's what he deserves from us, our all. And our all journey is you, me, taking the next steps that Jesus asks us to take. Friend, don't miss the journey. Don't miss getting to the destination that God has for you. So how can you be all in? We're going to ask you to do three things. One, Come faithfully for five weeks. I just ask that you do your absolute best to be here for the next five Sundays as we really come to understand what it means as we go through the life of Abraham and see the steps God took him through for him to give his all so that he could be blessed by all from God. I hope you can. Nah, and I know, you know, something may come up. You may have to be at your own funeral next week. We'll excuse you for that. But, you know, short of that, we're not sure. Okay? Come faithfully. Two, join a small group in the gym after the service for five weeks. You see, Christ followers grow when they follow Christ together, when they talk when they encourage each other, when they challenge each other, when they pray for each other, when they serve with each other. There are no Lone Ranger Christians. And this is just a great opportunity for you to meet some people, to get connected, really connected in the body of Christ, to really take those steps of growth that are going to make a difference in your life and bring God's blessing into your life and into, into our church. And uh, I hope uh, all of you were invited this week personally, but obviously some people uh, may have been falling through the cracks or somebody tried to get you and they couldn't or whatever. And if uh, you weren't invited, you're brand new or something, uh, hey, we've got uh, extra places for you and come on over and 
Uh, Carla will be near the sound booth, and she'll be glad to help you find a group that will be good for you. Try it today. Test me and see if God won't work in your life. Third, decide to say yes. Because you know what? Jesus is going to speak to all of us and tell us some next steps. He's going to speak to me. He's going to say, Ron, you should do this. And, and today I want to say, I'm going to say yes to those things. If Jesus is telling me to do it, then I should do it. And friend, I hope that you'll do the same thing. See, Jesus loves you very much. And Jesus is always talking to you. And Jesus is always wanting to take you to the next place of blessing and service and fruitfulness. So take the next step that Jesus wants you to take in terms of fellowshipping and getting in a group, getting connected, serving, involved in some ministry, being a generous giver. Because we can't carry out our mission without generous giving you know, from God's people. So my request of you, let me have the elders that go and want my plea to you from our leaders. Join us for our whole journey. Because it's about God. It's about the Lord Jesus Christ and the mission he gave us. It's about people who need Jesus. It's about us doing something that matters forever and ever and ever. Instead of being consumed with the things that don't matter for the life to come. Join us for the all journey. Shall we pray? God, I am pretty sure that there is uh, some degree of discomfort <laughs> and fear and apprehension or wanting to hold back in my life and in the life of my friends. I'm sure that because I'm pretty sure that's what Abraham felt. I'm pretty sure that's what the disciples felt when he asked them to leave their business and their home and to follow him. Uh, God, we're not experiencing anything that anybody else did face-to-face -face with your call on our lives. So, Lord, I would think that all those people in the Bible felt some of the same things we're feeling here today. But I'm pretty sure that all those people in heaven for the past 2,000 or more years in heaven by your side, worshiping you, I'm sure they had no regrets. I'm sure they would say it was the best, greatest decision they ever made. And so God, today, would you help us? Help us in our fears. Help us in the areas where we're afraid to trust you. Help us in the areas where we withhold our all. Because, God, you want to give us all your blessings. And we don't want to forfeit them. God, we're a church. You raised up Alliance Church here.
not so we'd have a comfortable little holy huddle, but so we would be involved in bringing people to know your son Jesus. Oh God, help us to be faithful and help us to be more fruitful than we've ever been. Lord, that's what we as leaders are believing, that the greatest days for Alliance are ahead of us, that the that there were going to be more people who come to Alliance in the years to come than there have been in years past, God. That we're going to do more things and be more faithful and more fruitful in serving you because, Lord, that's what we want, because we know that's what really matters. So, God, we're crying out to you. This is, this is not a human program where we push the right buttons and say the right things, God. This has to be a work, your work in all of our lives. It has to be your work in me, God. It has to be your work in all of us. And you ask for our all because you want to bless all of our lives. And so God, help us. Help us. Help us to grow. Help us to become like Jesus. Help us to bring other people to Jesus. And friend, while your head are bowed, your eyes closed, maybe some of you, you're not yet a follower of Jesus. You're checking it out. You're wondering. You're suspicious. You're curious. Whatever. Wherever you are in your spiritual journey, Jesus Christ died for you on the cross. Jesus Christ wants you in his heaven. And he asks you to admit that you're a sinner who needs a savior and give your life to him and turn around and follow him today and every day and all the way to heaven. Invite him in today. Father, thank you for the all journey that we begin today. Thank you for the things that you're going to do in our church. Thank you for the things you're going to do in the lives of uh, it, it, that I'm pointing to right now. God, you're just going to do amazing and awesome things. That's a growth and fulfillment and fruitfulness, and we're going to praise you and give you the glory. Thank you, God. It's going to be a great season for us because we're seeking you. We're not going to depend on ourselves. We're not going to stay in our comfort zone when you tell us to get out. God, I just thank you so much. I thank you, God, for what you are going to do for us, in us, through us. And we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen.